0: Welcome back to the Voice of Gensuite podcast. Today, we are talking about a recent Gensuite trip to Malawi in partnership with Build On to learn about the culture, the importance of community and collaboration, and to help build a school. So with me today, I have Jess Button and Yanchi Bahugana from our Toronto office. Welcome, you guys.
1: Thanks. Thank you.
0: So start out. I thought you guys could talk a little bit about Build On, the need they solve, and how we got involved with this project.
2: Absolutely. Um, So we chose Build On because we put out a survey to the team globally and asked um, about three different organizations that they might want to get involved in, and we basically took a vote. And the overwhelming response from the team was that they wanted to get involved in Build On. And what Build On does is their mission is to break the cycle of poverty, poverty, illiteracy and low expectations through service and education. So they really work to empower the community and empower the youth in the community to um, come together to build this school and to send their children to school. Uh, the whole time we were there, they really focused on the importance of talking to the people in the village and um, kind of reminding them of how important the school was and why they should send their children there.
0: So next, I want to talk a little bit about Malawi. As many of us know, it's a country in Africa. Perhaps give us a little overview of the culture, background of the general landscape there, social, economic, and political.
2: So I'd say when we when we first got there, we realized very quickly how welcoming the community was. Um, when we first, when I first landed in Malawi, I noticed, um, and something that Yanchi had mentioned was that the airport must have been very small because we did a complete turn on the runway. We didn't like go down another runway. We did like a U-turn in the plane. So that was kind of an interesting thing that she had brought up um, that I actually didn't even realize. I was asleep, <laughs> but it kind of made us realize quickly it was a very small airport. Um, and then when we... Went through the city and we were driving to Kasungo, which was the village. The history of Malawi, or what we were at least shown on our last day in the Longway, was that um, the history came from their president. He was a very, very peaceful man and really wanted to um, bring the, the communities together, bring the country together, and really um, kind of start their own culture in their own government and their own systems and their own way of doing things because up until he became president they were Malawi was under British rule. And he really saw the people of his country getting taken advantage of and being used in situations where um, they were essentially like the first men on the line for wars and things like that, where he was like, we're not even fighting for our own people. We really need to do that. So he made a huge change being their first president um, to be able to kind of establish Malawi and start some of their own systems, get their own currency and things like that so that they could be set up for more fair trade and more um, kind of a better political climate.
1: And one uh, other interesting thing about Kamuzu Banda was that he was a medical professional. Um, The people there told us that he went to South Africa, in UK to study and then he came back just because he wanted freedom for his, his people. Um, and then he formulated like four pillars of their society, which I thought was pretty interesting um, unity, loyalty, obedience, and discipline, which the people swear by. Um, another interesting fact that came up was that their currency, which is Malawian kwacha, uh, where kwacha means dawn, so it's like rising of the new sun, and which is why they named their currency as, as kwacha. So I thought that was pretty interesting about their history.
0: What's something that surprised you while you were there?
2: One of the things that I was really surprised by was that the society was a matriarchal society where, at least in our village that we were in, the men in the village would actually need to pay to marry the women. And then they would also move to the woman's village, um... So when we were on the work site, we really noticed a um, mutual respect between the men and the women in the village. There was no cat calling. There was no, um, people, you know, staring at others for different reasons. It was just very much everyone working together and really coming together as a community to do something good for themselves. So I thought that was really yeah. cool.
1: To add to that, I did not feel out of place for even a second there, even though there were so many people that I didn't know, um, so that was pretty surprising for me. Another surprising thing was that they didn't have electricity, but at no certain point, I felt like they they had no means of entertainment. They had so many songs and dances. And I mean, they kept themselves entertained compared to like our us where we need like, Social media, Netflix at every point to entertain ourselves. That that was pretty surprising for me.
2: Not, not a lot of screens. <laughs> it was really cool.
0: What was one of the primary goals getting involved with Build On?
2: So, we knew that um, getting involved with Build On, on a, as a corporate uh, entity, we wanted to build a school. And so, we had options to kind of look at various different school locations around the world. And when we started researching Malawi and um, saw the area, we really wanted to build our school in Malawi. And then that also meant that we had to raise about $35,000 um, to be able to build the school and then cover costs of sending two team members to Malawi. So our team got super involved. We held all kinds of different fundraisers. We had penny wars in the break room where people brought in their spare change. We had sumo wrestling where you could pay to get into a sumo wrestling suit and wrestle, and Natasha and McCund were both out there. Um, We also had an event with Kendra Scott where people could go to Kendra Scott and buy jewelry, and then a percentage of whatever we spent that night was sent to build on directly to help us with our fundraising efforts. And then we also had triple P-point donations where – Team members could donate their Triple P points to go back to um, build on. And then GenSuite also matched donations when it came to Triple P points.
0: For those who don't know, Triple P points are GenSuite's employee incentive program to reward those for positive performance and sales. So I guess you could elaborate on why we decided to send two of you to Malawi.
2: So we opened up the competition to... a lot of the team members who would have been eligible to get visas within a short period of time to go to malawi and um Mukund wanted everyone who wanted to go to send in a video of themselves and why they should um why they should be chosen so we just had like a quick internal competition where people could submit a video and then McCund and Natasha and leadership team voted, and um we were the lucky ones that were chosen
0: <laughs> so why did you personally decide to? throw your head into the ring
2: um, for me I wanted to get involved from day one when I first met with Maurice who was our um, coordinator or our first contact he's the vice president of business development at build on I had a lot of phone calls with him just gathering information on build on finding out how you know how the organization ran and kind of what the goals were and I knew immediately that this organization made a major impact in the areas that they were at. Just from hearing stories from him and doing some of my own research, I knew that I wanted to get involved. Um, I've always been very passionate about working with children and animals. And so this, to me, just seemed like a perfect fit.
1: For me, I thought it was uh, a really good opportunity just because... Uh, I have always wanted to travel to Africa and plus I uh, education and environment are two things I feel strongly about. Um, so I thought this would be a wonderful opportunity for me to just be there, look at those people. I've also been reading about uh, different countries um, and their societal structure and that is what uh, fascinated me the most about this trip.
0: So how were you guys welcomed into the country?
1: The opening ceremony I think was my most favorite part of the trip um it was nothing like I've ever seen we Jess and I were in the car completely unaware and then we see this huge group of children singing and just running towards us it was overwhelming at first to be honest just to be like surrounded by so many of them but their energy was infectious and in no time we were in the circle dancing to the songs we didn't know or understand it was it was kind of cool to see like so many people turning up just to welcome two people they've never met. So yeah, I thought it was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, it was really neat. As soon as our car pulled up, like Yanshi said, I mean, they just kind of surrounded the car and they were singing and dancing and clapping. And the kids were all dressed up in their uniforms. And there were, I mean, a hundred, maybe more people (laughs) around just kind of waiting for us. Um, it was really, really neat. And then we went into hearing from the chiefs of the village and hearing from all of kind of the higher-ups in the village and the people with build-on that we'd been working with. Um, we heard from a lot of different people, and they kind of expressed to us how important this was to them. And um, then we got to meet, which was something that I thought was super exciting and very interesting, the Guliwamkulu um, which also were dancing and they were part of the open ceremony. So it was a very, um, very eventful process.
1: Yeah. And not to forget, we, we had the groundbreaking ceremony. Um, Jess and I had the opportunity to show the people how good we were with the shovel. Um, so that was pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned, uh, A pretty interesting word there, (laughs) Jess.
1: The guliwamkulu?
0: Yeah. um, Could you define that for us?
2: (laughs) Well, I wish we had Aaron, who was with us, and he was our driver um, while we were there, because he gave us about, probably in total, four or five hours of history on the guliwamkulu and how they work. So they're essentially a secret group of people among the Chewa people, which are the um, people that were in... Our village in Malawi, and they essentially, how the story goes is they're spirits that are fished out of the river from other people that are part of the Guliwamkulu, but they're not technically Guliwamkulu. And they can go down to the river and fish out the Guliwamkulu. They bring them up to the village, and they are sometimes nice and sometimes mean to the people that live in the village, but they're very friendly to us. Um, if you live in the village, kind of their goal on like worksite days, what we were told was to make sure everyone's working. So if they noticed that numbers were low, they would go to people's homes and see who was not working. And then they would steal their chicken and bring it down to the worksite and tell the chief. Um, luckily, we had a very, very engaged village. So no chickens were stolen from the Guliwamkulu while we were there.
1: Yeah. And they say that these, so no one knows who a wam kulu is, right? So it can be a person sitting next to you. So they keep themselves covered, so they, so you don't recognize them. And their job is basically to keep things in order, I guess. Um, we weren't of the same community, so we were able to like dance with them. Uh, but we noticed that a lot of other people were like afraid to get get close to the two wam kulus that visited us.
0: So in other words, they're kind of like construction foremen in a way.
1: (laughs)
2: They were a little bit more than that. They had a lot more history and uh, really kept kind of people on their toes. Uh, Some people very much believed in them. Some people did not. But you could tell, like Yanshi said, people that lived in the community would not get very close to them. There was a definite fear. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's really interesting too. You brought up that the entire village was helping you build this school. So it wasn't just you two and it was a village effort to come together and build this school.
1: Yeah. So so the as I just said, the welcome ceremony had like more than hundred people at least. They had an official like itinerary for the welcome. So it felt that it was quite important to them. Uh, the people turned up every morning just to work on the work site. I don't even know if if these people would actually go to the school or if they have kids who go to the school, but it felt like everyone wanted to kind of contribute to the work, be there on time, um, help with anything they could help with. So, so it felt like a collaborative task in which like every, every person from the village was involved.
2: Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really interesting, um, When we were talking to our trek coordinator in a little bit about Build-On, they said that Build-On very much empowers the community. So the community actually has to provide all of the resources up front before they can be selected to build a school. So they have to have the bricks. They have to have the sand. They have to have the water. They have to have the rocks. They have to have all kinds of things that Build-On does not give. And then Build-On Through our contribution, is able to provide some of the wood, some of the cement. Um, If they need skilled laborers, there are about four or five skilled laborers on site. They provide the foreman, uh, which we had a forewoman, and then um, they provide a couple other things. But for the most part, the community comes together and collects and builds all of these resources. So they are actually making their own bricks. They were. We were going down to the river and getting water from the river in buckets. We were getting sand from the river. Um, It's very much, it's very different from just like an, or you know, from us saying, here's money, go ahead and, you know, pay this organization to build something. They want the community to be involved, to feel like they're also um, a part of this and that it's not just our school, it's their school and they need to be proud of it and they need to get involved. So it was very cool. I thought it was different than a lot of other organizations.
0: They obviously do recognize the value of education. It's based off everyone coming together. Is it difficult for children to get an education over there?
1: I was just saying that I think it was very hard for, for people to get education there just because, I think because of two factors. First, family circumstances. From From our conversations, we came to know that Most of the families there like had six to seven children. So there came a point when the family had to decide if they could continue sending all these kids to school, right? Just because they financially, they weren't that stable to send all these kids to school. And then the next factor was just access to schools. The community we went to will have like two school buildings after this one's completed. Uh, But prior to that, they probably had to wa- walk for miles to just get to the next school. So that probably limits the number of kids actually having access to schools. And then there was this other community that we visited, and they said that their biggest challenge was that they were cut off from schools in other locations just because they were located or situated right between two rivers. So that the kids did not have access to school. So I think those two factors um, are two big challenges for them to to like have access to education in school.
2: yeah it was very interesting um because when we got there I kind of I was a little bit surprised because like Yashi said they already had three school buildings standing and so I was kind of at first like hey I thought they needed us to build a school and they didn't have anywhere to go and then we quickly realized that there were over 600 children that attend those schools and each school each school that was built only has two classrooms so our school, when it is finished, will allow the village to teach standard one through eight in the village, um, which is huge. Like she mentioned, the other community that we went to, they had um, two school buildings, and they, they had to teach all of their students in those two. So one through eight. They also offered adult literacy and a program called Enroll. So students that may have dropped out prior to completing school could go back to school and um, learn. And so it was really interesting to just think about just the logistics and dynamics of teaching those that many different grades and offering to adults as well inside of such limited space um, was crazy to me. So I think it's great that we added that last school so that they could do standard one through eight. And now they'll only have to travel if they're selected to go to high school. Um, which hopefully we get a lot more folks in our village to be selected. When we were there, there was one boy that was just selected to attend high school, and on our way back to the city, our um, translator showed us where that school was, and he, I mean, the, the boy will have to move completely away from his family for the entire year to be able to go, and he can maybe visit in the summer, but um, it's almost like our college situation is their high school situation and the level of education um, for people to get to college is also extremely difficult. Um, when we had a cultural workshop day with the women in the village, we asked the question, if you were able to go to university, would you, would you have done it? And immediately as our translator translated that question, every single woman said I, which was yes. And they all very enthusiastically said that they wanted
1: to go.
0: So, how important would you say education is in terms of individual growth and the growth of the country as a whole, too? The
1: so education, the term always like reminds me of a quote that I love by Sarah Westover um, in her book Educated. She said, "I think education is just a process of self-discovery," and I truly believe that. And everyone should have the means, like and resources, to go on a little self-discovery trip. So, I I believe that if this community has access to education they can understand the world around them and just get out of the little dwankali community they are um build opinions have point point of view on on things in life um, i i got a feeling that they do not lo- know a lot about the world outside dwankali uh, they understand that education is important. And as Jess said, they mentioned that they would like to go to school if they had the resources. Um, they're street smart people. Um, and I think some basic education could do wonders for them as an individual and even as a community.
2: Yeah, I would very much agree. Um, <clears throat> one of the cool things that we were able to do was talk to the people in the village in a very candid way. And we were able to ask each other lots of different questions. And I think the Two questions that I was the most taken aback by was one of them um, was, are there black people in America? Which was, you know, if if you didn't know any better, you really wouldn't know. And so it was interesting that they really had no idea about that. And then it got into lots of questions of, well, can a black man marry a white woman and things like that that were just to us. It's so like, yeah, of course. <laughs> but to them it was so different. And then the other question that we were asked was um, – one of the women said we heard that there's time zones and that it's a different time where you live is that true and again our immediate reaction was like oh my gosh yes but you know when i really thought about it it made me realize how important education is and just some of the things that i especially take for granted because i had the opportunity of a great education and um it's just really cool to to be able to say that we're giving that same opportunity to this village into the people. um, It made me really, really excited to have been there and then to be part of this team.
0: So to kind of wrap this all up, I don't know if this is possible or not, but could you sum up your experience in one word or phrase?
1: Transformative maybe just because I think this experience caused a shift in viewpoint, not just for the community, uh, but for me as well. So yeah, I think that's a good word.
2: I agree. I was going to say life-changing because um, I felt the same. It was it was life-changing for me and also I feel like for a lot of the people in the community um, and some of the people that we worked with from Build On. It was really cool to just hear people's viewpoints and learn from each other's experiences.
0: Well, was there anything else that either of you wanted to add?
2: Mm, the road snacks were grilled mice. But (laughs) when we were driving to the airport, we saw all these kids holding out sticks and they had little fires. And our driver said, do you know what those are? And we said, no. And he said, those are grilled mice. (laughs) And that's a good protein snack in Malawi. Did you try any? I have been a vegetarian for 17 years. I did
1: not. (laughs) Nope, we did not.
0: (laughs) Well, maybe next time when you go back, you'll have to try some of those. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think that'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next month.